Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team, where I write for Coatings Pro Magazine and Materials Performance Magazine. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by corrosion and coatings industry professional, Phil Fausch. Phil, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? Uh, good morning, Ben. I'm uh, really a little windswept. We had about 40 mile an hour winds in Odessa yesterday, so but we're surviving today. The hazards of West Texas, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Phil is joining us as part of our member profile series where we look at members within the association and talk about their careers to this point, the role that AMP and formerly NACE or SSPC had getting them to where they are today, and then some of the initiatives that the association is putting together to try and help the next generation and where we go forward in the years and decades ahead. I think Phil's a guy, as he goes through his bio, I think you'll understand why he's a really good fit for this series. But rather than me sort of read off the highlights, Phil, you're accomplished enough. I probably wouldn't be able to do it justice. So I'll let you <laughs> go through your basically career biography, what you've done in the industry all these years, and what it is you're still doing today. Well, I appreciate that. It sounds like you're setting me up, Ben, but uh, I've heard I've heard good 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 word about you, and I appreciate it very much. My name's Phil Fouch. I was actually born in Hobbs, New Mexico, but raised in uh, Odessa, Texas, and graduated from high school in 66. I'm 74 years old, and in uh, uh, kind of an interesting deal, um, I was on the first state championship football team at Permian High School. Ooh. And then later on, and uh, everybody knows Friday Night Lights, well, I, right. was, I was president of the school board, and uh, I helped negotiate the contract with Peter Berg when he, uh, after um, the book was written, Peter Berg bought the rights to the movie and came out here. Really, really nice person. And I remember telling him, I said, the book was, um, there were some interesting parts to it, a lot of racism and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, I believe you'll do a good job and write a, and, and do a good movie. Just keep it positive. And he really did. So it was really an interesting deal to watch him make that movie from the book. And and it was one of my um, highlights of my life. I had a chance to be in the movie, but I was an elected official. So I didn't I didn't all my friends, a bunch of my friends were in the movie. It was kind of interesting. So anyway, and from from um, Permian, I went to. Uh, then East Texas State University in Commerce, Texas, which is now Texas A&M Commerce, and to play football. And um, I ended up, uh, very honestly, uh, I made 100 on one of the biology tests. Had no idea that I was going to major in biology. When I made that 100, I went, hmm, maybe this is for me. So I ended up being a lab assistant after I after I finished my eligibility in football, being a lab assistant and, and graduated from East Texas State in 1970. And the one thing I did know that I love teaching and, and I've always loved teaching. My, my, I come from a family of teachers. And it was really interesting, Ben, that uh, I went to uh, my, my then wife and ex-wife now, still a friend, though. Uh, we moved to Lake Jackson, Texas, uh, which is where my oldest son was born in Freeport, Texas, down on the coast. And it was really uh, amazing four years there. And um, I was teaching and coaching and um, I was teaching uh, earth science and biology. 
And uh, I've taught from everywhere from college, uh, high school down to junior high. And amazingly, people always ask me, what's your favorite grade? And I says the seventh and eighth grade because they're learning about everything. It's just hmm. phenomenal watching. Everybody usually hates it, but I really liked it. But while I was there, it was pretty interesting. I had, uh, uh, you know, being raised in West Texas, I, to- I told all my friends, I said, I didn't see water until I was 30 years old. And that's kind of a joke. But. Uh, I looked and I said, man, I want to do so. I went to Brazosport Junior College and I ended up getting my, I bought a shrimp boat. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I bought a shrimp boat and I got my license. They had a, they had two courses, one for offshore fishing uh, professionals, a license, and for shrimp boat. And I got both of them. And I bought a shrimp boat and I fished offshore as a guide. And it was just one of those things that somebody, I'm also a pilot, but and somebody said, "What? Uh, what's if you could give up anything, go back and do anything?" I said, "I think I'd run this shrimp boat again. It was so much fun." However, when I was teaching, I never will forget this, Ben. I went into the teachers' lounge the first time, and I don't smoke. Deborah did smoke. My parents smoked. Mm. My dad always asked my sister, "Now, how come you didn't smoke?" And I said, "God, we smoked enough in the back seat of the car, but I never be. I never wanted to be that dependent on anything." And I remember going in the teacher's lounge, everybody was smoking in there, and everybody was negative. And I thought, golly, do I want to be around these people? So I stayed a couple of years, and I went into a, a, a management series with a company called Smith International Oilfield Company. And then I realized what I really wanted to do was own my own business. And my dad uh, was living back in Odessa, and he had a coating company called Cobra Coating. The guy who had owned it had died, and his widow had it. And I went back and talked to her, and that's how I got in this business. I bought uh, Cobra Coating in Odessa. There were three employees, and uh, not counting me, and uh, I had uh, there were two trucks and two compressors. And what they did. And a lot of people realize, they said, well, God, West Texas is so dry out there. It can't be corrosion issues and everything else. And and what's interesting is we have one of the worst corrosion issues there is in the world because the Permian Basin, which Permian High School is named after, is a 300-million-year-old shallow ocean. And when you produce a barrel of oil, you produce seawater, and that seawater is extremely corrosive. And it also contains sulfur, where we have sulfuric acid, H2S, and all those problems. So from the get-go, I was, of course, raised in the oil field. And, and in the summers, I always worked as a roustabout and watched people, these guys coating these tanks. I never did quite understand it all. I do now. It's kind of interesting how hey, you make a complete circle. And um, I, I bought this company, and there was a guy who was running it. I never will forget this, Ben. He um, he the first day I went in there, he says, look, I know you don't do anything and know anything about this business. He said, but uh, he said, you can just go home and we'll take care of it and we'll make it work. And I said, you know, I have a better idea. I said, won't you get in the car? And I took him home and took his car and let him go. Fired him that day. And there was a guy there named Jackie Hubbard. And I did I did Jackie's eulogy at his funeral, and he meant everything to me. He taught me everything about the business, blasting, painting, coding, how to how to do everything. And I would go with him uh, every day, and um, uh, and I learned so much from this guy. And I never will forget in 1983, I got a card in the mail, Ben, and it was from a 
some some place called in Houston, Texas called NACE. And they were having the first CIP class. And I was invited to take that. However, I was busy and we had um, and we were just on the verge of a, a huge uh, downfall in business out here. And so I didn't take that class and didn't take the NACE class till 1990. But between 1983, when they offered the first class, um, my I built my business up and I was end up being the largest contractor out here. I had uh, 10 trucks and 20 people and we coated tanks all in the Permian Basin all the way through Oklahoma. And it was a very, very, it was just a great, great company. I was very blessed having great people and having Jackie Hubbard, who meant so much to me, who to teach me all about this business. And so I knew I needed to understand more. And I had a company come to me and they wanted to buy my business. Well, about the same time, I was buying most of my products at that time, a lot of my products at that time from PPG, who's a large paint manufacturer. And they came to me and they said, would you be interested in buying um, the paint stores in Midland, Odessa? And I said, well, let me think about it. And I thought, well, okay, I've been on this side of the business where you actually apply it and, um, and learn so much. I thought, I wonder what it's like on the other business. Well, I sold out, I sold Cobra Coating in 1986. And I ended up buying not only the paint stores in Midland, Odessa, but also El Paso and Albuquerque. And, um, and that, uh, that happened in 1986. And actually, uh, fast forward, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but fast forward, uh, I sold, uh, I sold one of the businesses in El Paso first, and I sold the one in Albuquerque later on, and then I kept the ones in Midland, Odessa, and I sold them in 2016. But back to back to the uh, situation, I knew that uh, uh, I wanted to be more involved in this business, and probably the best asset I had um, to building my business in the coating business and particularly in selling coatings was I educated my customers. And how I did that was in 1990, I decided to go to Houston. Well, no, that's not true. 1990, I took the class in Midland, Texas, and Dave Evans, who's a, mm-hmm. who works for AMP now, is a good friend of mine, and he was my instructor. And I never will forget, we're about halfway through the class, and he came over to me and said, hey, you know more about this business than I do. I said, no, I'm here learning, man. I'm here learning. And Dave actually was kind of my mentor. He's the one who directed me to go ahead and take level two and level three. We had level three then. And then um, um, I was growing this business quite a bit, and I finally uh, um, I took my peer and, and, and finally started teaching uh, classes in 1996 or 97 being I think what it was and and I and truthfully the the best thing I ever did for my business and uh, and I think a lot of people out here in West Texas is to educate my customers and um, and I got them all to take nice classes all my big customers my, my largest five customers all took nice classes and all my employees did there was just so much to learn and and then I think I had a lot to offer NACE, and I got involved and went on the committee in uh, 2000, uh, 99 or 2000, I think, right after I became an instructor. And um, and and I was on the CIP committee, and I was on it for a guy, I don't know, 12 years maybe, and went off and then went back on. 
and still have been involved in helping rewrite all this stuff. And I just, I will tell you what, Ben, this uh, nice CIP classes has enriched my life, not only professionally, but personally. I got to travel the world and, you know, do the one thing the field fats loves more than anything else, and it's teach. And I love teaching. And to pass on this information to other people is a blessing. Um, and that's 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 my kind of my uh, background. And and uh, like I said, I've I've been blessed beyond words. I, I, every time I talk about NACE, and I tell all my friends that we were here during the golden years, and hopefully I've trained enough people in in China and other places that. Uh, that have become really good instructors. So I have a, a lot of the instructors out there have taught under me and have become instructors and I'm just very, very proud of them all. How has the industry changed over your time in it? You go back several decades as you were walking through not just your time with CIP, but your time in the private sector of this field as well. Right. What's different the last couple of decades when you go out and teach and you talk to people about the industry that they're potentially going into, what are some of the key differences now compared to when you were first getting started way back in the, you know, the 70s, 80s, and 90s? Absolutely. Great question. And I'll tell you, it's a really simple answer is education. Um, when I went, when I bought Cobra Coating, I looked around at my competitors and not only did they not have college degrees, they were, and, and I'm not picking on them or anything. They just weren't educated. And, and, and what I did was, is I realized the key to this thing was education. And, and what I saw was what I could, how I could enhance my business is by educating my customers and understanding exactly what we were doing out there and why we were doing it and how it worked. And, and I think what we have seen, because really, I think NACE more than anything else, and I'll, I'll stay with NACE. I was a member of SSPC, but never really involved. But with the NACE CIP classes, we taught the, uh, the end user and the people who are paying the bills how important it was to do something right. And, you know, you always, I can remember the first, uh, first time I had an inspector show up on the job. And I said, what are you doing here? You know, I never will forget it. It was a, he was a guy, he was with golf. He ended up being a really good friend and he had a holiday detector. And I said, what are you doing with that? And I didn't really understand. And then from then on, he and I became friends and he's the one who encouraged me and I ended up taking the nice class. And I think it's uh, what we've seen is that uh, you know, over the years since I got involved in, in, in the late, the mid to late seventies, is that uh, the people that we uh, deal with now are just highly educated and they understand what they're doing and understand why they're doing it. And that's the most important. We'll do this, but why should we do that? And why should we blast it so clean? Why should we fill these these pinholes? Why should we, or these uh, areas? And why should we do this? Why should you do it? And everybody needs an answer to the why. And and that's what those nice classes do is they they, they tell you why you're doing it not just to do it. And I remember when I first started in the business, they said, do this, but I would say, why, why do we need to do that? And I didn't understand the whys, and I think that's what, what NACE has done, is answer all the whys and why should do it. The other side of the coin, I think, is that when I started out in the business, the coatings, there's, there's three ways that you can prevent or slow down corrosion. You don't ever prevent it, you just slow it down. And in their coatings, which I'm involved with, C-O-A-T-I-N-G, everybody think it's C-O-D, coating like in computers, but it's coatings, 
electricity, which is CP, and chemicals. Those are three ways that you'll see that, that NACE and, and SSPC is divided into uh, slowing down the corrosion rate. And my M was coatings. And I will tell you that uh, what, what I was using in the, in the 70s that no one would use anymore for two reasons. Number one, they weren't near as good as what we have now. And number two is they weren't uh, they weren't good for the user. We found out, you know, we were using, um, you know, a lot of uh, fiberglass resins for a lot of different things and different products that we shouldn't have been using and lead. And I remember when I first went into business, uh, you pick up a, a gallon of paint, and weighed 22 pounds because it had lead in it. And now, of course, we know what that does and we know the, the side effects of all these particular products and the end user now is is more protected and actually uh, i'm sorry the the user of the product is more protected and the end user has a better better product that uh, is manufactured in the coating but it's just amazing what's used out there it's uh, it's really really good but i think education educating everybody has has made all the difference in the world and that's where i i put the the gold stamp of on on nice cip program and uh, we have updated and, and, and raised the bar for everybody in this industry. Why was CIP the right course for you? Obviously, there's a wide range of education offerings. Why did you go with CIP? Of course, I know it ties in somewhat with your roles in the Permian Basin and right. what you were trying to do out there. But also, um, I guess, A, why was that the right course? And B, what did CIP specifically lead you to? Yeah, well, of course, what I was doing, it's exactly what I needed to be doing. And, right. Uh, uh, when you're selling coatings, <laughs> you need to be sure you understand. And it's amazing how many people that I have taught over the years that work for coating manufacturers who had never sprayed, who had never, never applied anything. And, and what I liked about the CIP program, we put the gun in their hands. We let them understand what it's like for these guys to uh, go out into the field, how hard it is. I never will forget uh, probably one of the first five classes where the guy walked up to me and he worked for a, uh, um, a paint manufacturer and he came up to me. He said, I had no idea how much it took. I had never seen it applied. I've been selling it. I had no idea how important it was for somebody to do it right. I never will forget that. And I still use that when I when I teach in, in my open as a lead instructor. I tell I tell that story. And I said, you know, pay attention because you these guys are out there doing the doing the basically the dirty work who's actually getting this thing job. It's really important for them to do it right. And uh, it'll make all the difference in, in for 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 you as a coating manufacturer, which that was me then. I was selling coatings, and for me as a coating manufacturer, has somebody know how to apply it right and do it the right way. And then for the people that you're doing for the end user, the person paying for all this thing, it's the most important because they're the one paying for the job. So um, I, I picked CIP because it it was what I did. And um, it's what I wanted to do. And actually, I still do it. And, and I, I'm not I don't sell coatings anymore. I still have one business. I'm in a I bought a poly pipe business uh, back in 2003. But I taste still by traveling the world and teaching this class. I realize how fortunate everybody is, not just me, but er, how the end users are getting it paid for by people who know what they're doing and applying it and selling it. That's what's really important, I believe. And your business now is 
Quattro, correct? Or well, yeah, it's it's a holding company, and really all it owns right now is my poly pipe business. I bought that business in '03, and it, all it does is make money. So I've been pretty fortunate <laughs> in that deal. It's not involved. And what's really interesting is kind of the irony of it, Ben, is that poly doesn't corrode, you know? So right. Maybe I, maybe I got real smart. How about? That? <laughs> <laughs> and what's the what's the poly business called? Uh, Rexco, R-E-X-C-O. It's, okay. Uh, we, we sell actually we don't sell the pipe. We sell the fitting. We sell all the T's and L's and transitions and what a transition is. Somewhere, somewhere the poly has to go to steel, and and the uh, railroad commission rule is in the state of Texas that you cannot have poly close to the wellhead because if the if the tank catches fire, the the poly will melt. So somewhere you've got to go from steel to poly, and we sell these transitions where they're actually one little unit that goes from steel to poly. So, right. so I sell all the connections, but my love, my love will always be with coatings and 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 actually getting the work done. And and t- and 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 I've always said since I sold my businesses, my job now is just to to train and, and help teach the, the, the young people that are behind me because it's just been so, so so great in my life. So I know you've done this all over the world. One of the very recent milestones, I believe in October, was the 20-year anniversary of teaching CIP in China. Why was that market so important to not just you, but NACE and now AMP as well? Uh, Talk about the significance of that anniversary. Oh, you walked into my closet now, Ben. I love it. Back in in 2000, um, NACE started talking to the IMO, International Maritime Organization. And, um, oh, I think it's back in the 60s, there was a ship. Uh, sailing across and it broke in half somewhere around off the coast of France and it dumped a lot of oil and had all kind of problems in there and, and the International Maritime Organization knew that they needed to get involved in the corrosion end of it and so what they had was the want to they just didn't have the means of, of training their people so we got involved with the IMO and um, and by doing that, it spread our business. And, and very honestly, I'll tell you, not only China, but I taught the first class in China. I taught the first class in the Netherlands. Where the, and what we're really talking about is shipyards. And all these ships are traveling around the world. They had uh, now, um, they changed their rule. And one of the rules is they have to have a nice certified person involved in all the coding of all their tanks on the ships and everything else and what you, you think about these tanks that take in this water the balance of ships and everything well, well that's seawater extremely corrosive and so i've taught in um, golly uh, the, the big obviously china was the biggest and in the largest the largest shipyard in china is called waiga xiao spelled w-a-i-g-a-o-q-i-a-o waiga xiao i train we went there, Malcolm McNeil and I, I got a call from Helena Sillinger, you know, it's Helena. Yep. And Helena called me and she said, would you like to go teach the first class in China? And this was, uh, she called me probably in August, I guess, of uh, 20, um, 2002. And I said, absolutely. And I never will forget going home and telling my wife. She said, well, I'm going. I said, man, I don't know what it's going to be like. She said, I don't care. I'm going. And she went to. 
and we went, uh, flew to Shanghai. I had never talked with Malcolm. I knew him, but we had never talked together. And we flew, I never will forget, in the back of the bus, and it's a bus's airplane, and um, to uh, landed in Shanghai. And we went to the hotel, which is the Ramada, where we had held the course, and it was for international paint. They're the ones who really promoted it, and they were the largest paint manufacturer in China then. And uh, we taught our first class, and, 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 and really, I would title the name of this, What Were We Thinking? We didn't have a clue what we were doing. And it's fascinating, though. And, you know, sometimes it's best doing that. And I believe that uh, sometimes um, just going in, if, you, if we knew all the things we should have known, we probably wouldn't have done it. And that's why I think it was a blessing that we just, uh, we thought, what were we thinking? So we go over there and Malcolm and I teach it. Uh, International Paint had asked NACE to write a three-day course. And a guy named Tony Cunningham out of England, good guy, brilliant instructor. Tony wrote a three-day course and um, and International Paint bought it. I will tell you, it's not my favorite because I, I think that everybody realized that they needed more uh, time in the classroom, but they were supposed to study study their course, study the book work and everything else. And then the first day was lecture of the really important things. The second day was the lab day, which I'll talk about in a second. And then the last day was test day. So um, it, it really got us started in China. It's really good. We've done away with that because we, we know that uh, two things we realized uh, that um, the most important thing, one of the most important things is for the students to hear the instructors talk about their knowledge and, and tell their, their background. And you don't get that from a book or anything else. We realize it also been uh during covid we we tried to do some of these uh, courses streaming and 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 i and i basically told all the amp they're nice people i said this is not going to be good this is one of those classes it needs to be face to face and come to find out i was right i have been right many times in my life but i was <laughs> right then and it ended up we realized how important it is and so we did away with the three-day course after about oh gosh Oh, probably we did away with it like five years ago because every student who took the course said, I, we had all, here's what's interesting. We had a lot of students who took the three-day course that said, I want to be in the classroom with these instructors, and they end up taking the six-day course because they wanted more and more information, which I think is, is really relevant to this whole thing. So anyway, we go to China. And it was fascinating. I will tell you, we get in there and whoever thought about having a translator? We had a woman in there who had worked for International Paint. Her and she was Chinese. Her name is Rose. They always take an English name. And she was sitting there. Unfortunately, what she didn't know was all the, the terminology in this business. And thank God, thank God, I had a young man in my first class named Jeffrey Mai, M-E-I. And Jeffrey and I stay in touch. As a matter of fact, I had an email from him uh, uh, last week. He was one of the most, um, well, number one, his English skills were just amazing. And what we see when I go in a classroom in China, the younger the person, the better the English. The older people, obviously my age, they don't speak, English, they don't speak any English, but they start speaking English now. Uh, in kindergarten when they go to school they they literally and it's the right thing to do for them it is probably for us we ever ever americans should be bilingual and 
I'm about 50% Hispanic, uh, is, uh, Mexican speaking and uh, Spanish speaking. And, and because all my employees in the coding business were all Hispanic and got their good painters. But anyway, back to China. We, we, we got in the classroom and I went, uh-oh, we started teaching and they would look at us and they'd be looking up words and Rose was trying to terminology and there was Jeffrey Mai. Jeffrey was there and he translated and I moved him to the front of the classroom and he started translating everything and we worked till 10 o'clock at night and they just did great. I was so proud of it. And there was a man in there named Mr. Lou. And what I didn't realize that Mr. Lou was the he was the boss of all these guys and god darn he would yell at them and everything and i was just glad he wasn't we thought he was mad at us but he was he became one of my closest friends over there he's i think i'm uh i think i am like six months older than him and uh, he ended up changing companies and going to work for yoden and uh, he he came to all their classes and he was just uh, 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 uh helped us so much and all that but i will tell you when we realized that I got there as an educator and I realized that uh, there's some things we needed to do. And so we taught the second week another class and asked Jeffrey to stay over and Jeffrey stayed over and translated for us for the second class. And it was a really, he was a godsend for us. And uh, it was interesting. I, I looked Ben and all our, everything we had was in English and, you know, very honestly, all our, <laughs> most of our equipment were Imperial, not metric. And, and we just looked at how many mistakes we made. And I came home and on the airplane home, I wrote 10 pages of notes of what we could do. Because, you know, primarily I'm an educator. I really I'm a businessman. But I somebody if you ask me what you are first, and I said, I'm, I'm an educator. And I took 10 pages of notes of things we had to do. And I uh, and we went back in the spring of 03. Malcolm and I went back and taught another class. And there was a young woman there named Jenny Kai, C-A-I is her last name. And Jeffrey couldn't stay over. Obviously, he was he was from the southern part of China. And, and Jenny was in the class and she her English was unreal and smart. She got it when I would tell a joke, she'd laugh. And when you, you know, joke telling another language is usually you, you can tell if somebody gets it or not. And she would laugh and get tickled and everything. And, and she's and actually she worked for she just went to work for nice about two years ago and she just left left uh, AMP and, and is doing something else now. But she she was also a godsend. So what I did is I left a manual with her. And I said, I, and, and, and I said, I didn't leave any of the exams, but I left the pop quizzes and all with her. And I said, Jenny, translate these. And I said, I'm going to get with uh, Helena. Or, and then it was a girl woman named Carla Fox who was over the work for AMP. And she's since left uh, nice AMP. And uh, but uh, I, I said, translate this for me. I said, what will it cost? She, she looked over and she said, $6,000. And I said, if Nace won't pay for it, I will. And I said, get it done. We need to do this. Because, Ben, that next time we were in Shanghai at the Ramada, a guy by the name of Per Hartland, Per was a Norwegian, and he worked for Frogio. And I think you know who Frogio is. Mm -hmm. They're another inspection company. And they taught totally different. But they were on the third floor. We were on the second floor. And I wanted to meet him. So Malcolm and I went up and 
knocked on the door and came in, told him who we were. We had a last nice long visit with him. And, you know, he said, well, if you want to buy DVDs, go down to this place. You want to eat, go down here. He said, I've been teaching over here for three or four years and everything. And he was very, very nice. So I asked him, I never forget what Malcolm says. He said, I can't believe you asked him that. And I said, I wanted to know. So I asked Per, I said, Per, will you ever translate your information from English, which they were presenting in English, to Chinese? And he says, no, we're not going to do that. I said, okay. We walked out of the door, Ben, and I look at Malcolm McNeil, and I said, we're going to translate. We're going to own China. We want everybody to come to nice classes. And that's what happened. Huh. And so I went back. I never figured Carla was so mad at me. You don't have the right to do this. You can't. You shouldn't. I said, look, if we're going to grow this business, if we're going to be in China, this stuff needs to be in Chinese. We need to be get the biggest audience we can get. And that's what happened. And uh, and I said, if you want, don't want to pay for it, I will. And so after some da da da, she was mad and all that kind of stuff. And we, uh, she finally got over that. But Helena called me one time, and said thanks. It's made all it made all the difference in the world doing that. And the good news is, I was an educator, understood that, you know. And and that's what we needed to do. We we translated everything. And 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 what I haven't told you is when we went over there, we were using slides, and and we weren't using PowerPoint. And I told Nice, I said we've got to go to PowerPoint. I said, these carrying these slides everywhere, and you remember the, remember the little deal you set it on and click the slides and everything. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it was so. Oh yeah, cumbersome. Was, yeah. Oh man, so we finally got it over. What we what we did first was kind of funny. We got everything translated. Never will forget this. And we had two slides. We had we had two screens up, and we had one in English and one in Chinese. And I said, what are we doing? So, Jenny, it was interesting. Jenny, I said, Jenny, we want to put all this on one PowerPoint. And she did that. And it was interesting. It was only like uh, probably 10 slides longer because she could get it all on there. You know, it's kind of funny. You go go say something to somebody in Chinese and, and, you know, you can say two words and it means a whole sentence or you can say a whole, you know, you can say three paragraphs. It means one, one word, but it's uh, the language is interesting. I, I, I learned some of it. And of course, if you don't use it, you lose it. But uh, how Joe Bujim means a long time no see. And I always when I see all my friends, I say, how Joe Bujim? Oh, Phil speaks Chinese. Eh, not very much. But uh it was surely a blessing, and I think getting that getting that going in China made all the difference in the world. And we knew we knew then, and I think from then on, we let's see everything we do in China is translated. Uh, we also Spanish, and um, oh, there's one other language I think. The only one we should do, and we never has Korean, because you know Korea has the largest shipyards in the world. And mm-hmm. I've taught over there, and it's an amazing place. But we've never translated into Korean, but. We have in Chinese. We also teach in Taiwan, which also uses Mandarin Chinese also. But uh, anyway, that that deal really more than anything else, man, was IMO and getting involved with the IMO then opened up the rest of the world where there's any shipyards. And and, and that's really what helped us. So then we uh, then we taught in the Netherlands and in Korea and it just it just exploded since then. And I call the time from about 2002 until about uh, 
oh, probably five or six years ago, the, the golden years when we really exploded and started teaching. I've taught in Brazil, in Canada, China, Colombia, Dubai, Ecuador, Egypt, Indonesia, Israel, Japan, Malaysia, Netherlands, Mexico, Philippines, Qatar, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, Thailand, Trinidad, Venezuela, Vietnam, and the most foreign countries, California. I love saying that. All my friends in California love that. And, and also Texas, which is very foreign. But I taught, actually taught the first class in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in Canada, China, Colombia, Israel, Malaysia, Netherlands, uh, Thailand, Trinidad, and Vietnam. Those are the ones I taught the first class in. And gosh, you just learn so much when you go there. The funny, one of the funny stories, and Helena will tell you this. She said, uh, we want you to teach in Columbia. It's, we hadn't sent anybody down there, but I need some information from you. She asked me all this personal information. I said, okay. And I said, well, are you getting a visa for me? She said, no, I'm buying a kidnap insurance policy. <laughs> and that's one of the favorite nice jokes is that Phil Fouch came back with a $100 bill pinned to his shirt. They didn't want to they didn't want to kidnap me. They, they was worth giving me money to get me back. They didn't like me. So anyway, that's kind of funny. But uh, yeah, that was uh, at Columbia. I landed in uh, Bogota, Columbia, Ben. Yep. And a young, real nice looking lady picked me up at the airport, had my name up on a little board and went out to the car, get the car. And she says, well, Mr. Fouch, do you know what we're famous for? And I said, absolutely, cocaine. She says, no, <laughs> what we're famous for. And, and they were. This is 2004. Yeah. And there was an AK-47 on every uh, street corner. And she said, no, what we're famous for is beautiful women. And she said, of the last, I think, 20 years, I think four or five of them have been from Columbia. And, they, and she was right. They're really just beautiful people over there. Columbia was a great place to teach. So I had a great time there. So one of the things now that we're in 2023 that's going on in the marketplace, CIP is changing under the AMP umbrella. Like a lot of things, there's need for modification, for improvements to reflect what's going on out in the market today. Um, what are your general thoughts about the changes that they're putting together with the CIP offerings and where it is that we go from here? Well, I, I, you know, there's just something, you know, Crozen doesn't change, how it happens doesn't change, and, and how we deal with it doesn't change. What I see is that what we're doing at CIP, and I've been involved in is we're updating our manuals. And, you know, we had some old slides, some old things and everything. And, and truthfully, the only thing that I see changing uh, in the industry is that products are getting better. Uh, we're having more educated people in there who are, are, are doing the work and, and, and inspection. Of course, you know, everybody says CIP, we're teaching you how to, how to paint and apply coating. No, we're not. CIP stands for Coating Inspection Program. And really what we what we see, it's interesting that I that you can divide it. I, I can divide it into the, our customer. I always call them our customer. The students are our customer. Is there, there comes from three groups of people. They're, they're the people who who have applied paint, who want to understand more. And we see the engineers who don't who have not understand, who don't understand the corrosion business, but are in charge of it. They show up. And then you see the, actually the, the people who manufacture the paint uh, and, and the salespeople. And those basically are the three people involved. And I will tell you that uh, 
Ben, that of my students, and you take a class of 20 or 25, there may be two people in there who may end up being inspectors. The rest of them are just trying to learn about the business. And I think we're doing a better job of teaching them than we ever have. Um, of how it happens, how we combat it, how what we look for, those kind of things. But I think that more than anything else, the change in the industry is back to the same thing as educating the people. Because there's a gap. I'm 74 years old. And when I go into a classroom, there's, a, um, you know, you're seeing people now retire at 55, 60 years old. And there's a bubble in there of, of, of these 25 and 30, 40 year olds who have not been involved in the industry and they want to learn. And they, they're coming to the right place when they come to a NACE class or a CP class or, or any other class that NACE teaches. I, I'm, uh, we, we've tried to educate the world. And we do really, really good job. I'm very proud of what we do. So what does the future of CIP instruction look like? We talked about some of the changes in, I suppose, the packaging of the course and modifying that to reflect the current marketplace. Are there any changes when we think about the people that are going to be teaching the classes 10, 20 years from now, do you think it's going to be materially different than what you're doing today or, or what you were doing yeah. 20, 30 years ago? That's uh, it's a good question. And I think about that all the time. I will tell you five years ago, um, a lot of the nice AMP people, the employees, and, and you know, I'm I'm part of AMP. They, I don't care if you're an employee. What I, I feel like I'm part of them, and always will be. And I hope that any of the people who are members feel the same way because we're all involved in the same thing in, in, in this industry, and it's all important. And and I think everybody then thought what we would do is we would start teaching this remotely, and we we had our chance when COVID came in, and we said. Okay, we'll go remote, and it just didn't work. It's one of those things that you just need to be there. It's kind of like teaching a doctor how to operate um, over. You know, you've got to do it. You know, you have to get your hands on it. One of the things that, Ben, that has made this particular class so popular is that a lot of, and I go back and I use the, uh, and, and I use them because I was one of them. Uh, well, except that I really wasn't and, and that I had a company and I got out and I blasted and painted. But I see a lot of or the, the paint manufacturers that come in there, whether it's PPG, Sherwin-Williams, Carboline, uh, Yoten, Hempel, or any of the majors or the minor manufacturers. And these guys come in and they've never seen paint applied and they have never done this work. And so by them, by getting their hands in it and realizing how important it is to have good applicators out there, having good inspectors to 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 make their product look better and perform better not look better but perform better you've got to have good application and good inspectors on the job and we thought we could do that remotely and we couldn't and and i think we all i think everybody at damp i've had several of the the people in education department say oh we can do it and i said no we're not going to do it and you're going you're going to find out from the people who take the class that being in the classroom is so much more important. But the thing that uh, the point I was making is what made us different from Frogio and the other courses out there. Um, there's one by a gas, uh, a gas company that, that has an inspection class. No one had a lab day like we did where you actually go out. And we know that not many as many classes blast anymore, but they can watch something being blasted. But then they get a chance to put that paint on. They get a chance to see what the end result looks like on a panel 
a 12 inch by 12 inch panel and how important it is to do it right and, and, and uh, inspect it right. And so we realize that by keeping our lab day in our CIP program, it's made all the difference in the world. It really has. I've had people who have sold paint for 20 years who've taken this class. And they said, you know, I never sprayed it. I never applied it. I never brushed it. I never knew how important it was to And so now they do. So I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a really good question. But I know one thing that uh, that I think everybody, every instructor, every student who's taken the course remotely and taken it in the classroom, they realize how important it is to be face to face. But I think on down the road, I think we need to continue to educate people. And I, I'm back to the same thing uh, is education is educating uh, the customer educating the, the 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 end user we have a lot of engineers in class who come in and and sit through a class and they say i had no idea what we're getting involved in and and, and that's that's good news and that's what i like hearing anyway last question i've got for you and it's fairly related to that what advice would you give someone who's just starting out and looking at what they want to do in corrosion and coatings for the next 30, 40, 50 years like yourself. Maybe it's getting involved in education. Maybe it's not. Just generally speaking, when you talk to the younger people in our industry, be it CIP or just someone, again, that's within the corrosion and coding space, when you go to an industry event, what do you tell them? What's some of the things that they should be thinking about? Uh, yeah, but it's a really good question, and and I was one of those guys one time. And uh, back to the same thing: is that get involved, get involved, get involved, get involved. Uh, NACE SSPC is obviously AMP. AMP. That's the only thing I struggle with. I miss. I wish we'd have gone with NACE SSPC name instead of AMP. But get involved in AMP. Um, get involved. There's local chapters they can get involved in. Uh, actually, I'm gonna give a give a talk this spring to our local chapter about teaching around the world and and how how many has how everybody learns differently and and but get involved uh educate your people your people who work for you or that you work for educate them educate your customers I, there's just no substitute for that i was i was successful because i educated me and educated my employees and educated my customers, and everyone will tell you that. And it makes all the difference to the world. There are classes, more and more classes now. I tell you, the new one is, I will tell you, I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, uh, corrosion under uh, CUI, corrosion under insulation. That's one of the biggest issues we have out there because visually we cannot see that, and we need to understand how it works and, and how we can inspect it, how we can stay on top of it. And uh, continually, we're adding new courses to our uh, curriculum that are extremely important. And uh, but the basis of all of them, and in my side of it, the coding side is CIP. It takes CIP one and two, and then there's a Marine course. There's I, I teach. I've taught the bridge course, um, the coding under installation. I think the most important thing is to people to be get involved in your local chapter, get involved in AMP and get involved by taking classes and have your customers take them. That's the most important thing. It really is. And then you really understand the long and short of this whole business and it's education. Bill, for anyone who wants to learn more from you or reach out, what's the best way that they can do that? If somebody's listening to this and wants to know more about Phil Fausch, 
where would you direct them? Well, um, it's pretty simple. Uh, I answer my phone all the time, and uh, all my all my students have my phone number. I've never backed off from any of that, but uh, I have a, a my email is pfouch at quattro q q u a t r o dash rexco r e x c o dot com quattro pfouch at quattro rexco dot com, and my phone number is four three two five five seven one one two one. And I'll be at the conference in Denver. Uh, I'm still teaching at 74. Still can't wait to my next class. I love everything I do. I've been blessed. I've, my life has been enriched by traveling and and doing something I love. It's teaching in, in a subject that that's my favorite and it's corrosion. And I've been blessed. And Ben, I do appreciate the time with you today. And you're yep. you're talking to one of the most fortunate people in the world. Well, I'm glad to pick your brain. This has been fascinating, and look forward to seeing you in Denver in a couple of months. Sounds great, Ben. Thank you very much. All right. Well, this is where we will bring our episode to a close. Phil mentioned where you can get in touch with him. As for us with AMP, you can go to ampp.org, or you can check out our publication websites, for Codings for Magazine, it's codingsformag.com. For Materials Performance, it's materialsperformance.com. With that, we'll wrap up. For Phil Fausch, I'm Ben DuBose. Thanks, as always, for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.